Hope you all had a very Merry Christmas. I decided to take Monday off just to be with family, friends, my podcast co-host. He is still with us, and we found a couple of solid foods that he's kind of eating right now. So, who knows? I'm happy he's with us. And I will admit, it's really high stress to see what cancer does to a loved one. Uh, It's the first time that I've ever had to deal directly with cancer in this way. And so for all of you out there who are dealing with it or have dealt with it, I wish you strength and courage. And I understand a little bit better the difficulty that it is to go through this. I have no clue what it would feel like if it were me. But wow, being close to someone that is struggling with it is profound. Enough of the sad sap. Let's introduce today's guest, the amazingly talented and incredibly successful Jen DePaula, founder of Mixtus Media. You've probably seen her videos on TikTok or Instagram if you use social media and you're a writer who wants to market your books because she's done an incredible job building a loyal following and for very good reasons. This conversation is one of my favorites of 2023, and I can say that with the highest fidelity because there's not going to be another episode in 2023. Maybe I'll drop another one, but probably not, and it's doubtful that it would top this one. So top favorite episode, you're getting it right now. Without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Jen DePaula. This is TRBM Ammo Edition. If you're a published author and want to make a living writing books and selling them to avid readers, you've come to the right place. There's simply no program that's more successful at driving readers towards the books you've written. So the only thing you have to worry about is writing a great book. And the system with an ammo takes care of the rest. Thanks for listening to this conversation. You actually have a podcast. It's not th- too old at this point, but Book Marketing Simplified is what, 68 episodes deep at this point? Yes-ish. We When we moved, we had to kind of put it on pause. We okay. were planning on revamping it in the new year. So yeah. Alrighty. So that's where I want to start because for anybody who drops off, I'd love for them to know about your show because of the value that you offer. Um, And it's a very different format than what I'm doing, even though we're both in the book marketing area. The podcast was really an extension of what I had been doing for years with just blogging because I had blogged and just wanted to provide additional information and resources and tools for authors. And so since my husband's a podcast producer, it just kind of made sense to turn it into a podcast. And so what we try to do is keep it at very bite-sized episodes, meaning it's about 15 to 20 minutes where we attack a specific topic. And it's really giving very actionable information that authors can then take and use uh, to apply to their marketing. I love that. And I love that you mentioned the blogging aspect because that answered one of the questions that I was going to ask you um, is that you do that that bite-sized piece. And I think that the bite-sized blog is perfect. Nobody mm-hmm. wants to sit down. Well, not nobody, but fewer people want to sit down and read a blog for an hour and a half. Yes. And that is something that I've always not only told authors, but I've told myself is that I always want to put myself in 
the reader's shoes, whether that be an author or whether that be, you know, a reader who is reading a book. Is this going to be me talking about myself? But they just want, they just want the information that they're looking for. And so I always try to put myself in the listener's shoes, the reader's shoes to make the experience the most not only enjoyable, but the most mm-hmm. helpful way that I can possibly make it for them. I always struggle with that. This this podcast has grown past what I really ever thought it would, or maybe only I hoped that it would get as big as it is now. But there was a, a period of time where I really started to go down the rabbit hole of trying to make it the most palatable thing possible. Mm-hmm. And that was actually probably when it suffered the most. It was mm-hmm. when I came out the other side of that and said, I, when I personally consume podcasts, I am typically uh, doing some sort of domestic chore uh, to serve the family mm-hmm. or walk the dog, something along yeah. those lines. And so I actually do have a little bit more time to have you or another podcaster in my ears. And in mm-hmm. fact, I get annoyed if I've, uh, set up a podcast that I'm going to listen to during a dog walk and I have to like change it um, halfway through the walk. So yes. you know, there's these kind of interesting dilemmas about how we use podcasts versus we, how we use uh, a, a blog because I'm not going to commit an hour and a half to a blog, but I will easily give that to a podcast. Exactly. Yeah. And again, I think that especially with podcasts and being since I'm married to an audio engineer and his whole world is audio, it's really when you're thinking about a podcast and you have when when you really think about it, you're only using one sense, your ears. And when people don't take that into account, meaning they aren't getting the best sound quality possible. If there's a lot of ambient Mm. noise, if there's a lot of mouth noises or clicks or space between, it's really, it's, it's impacting that listener's experience. Mm -hmm. And there are, there are many, I mean, listeners are inundated with different podcasts that they can listen to. And so it's like, how can I make this the most enjoyable, most, uh, entertaining, most informative, you know, like whatever it is that you're trying to do with your podcast possible to stand out. What is author marketing mastery through optimization, you ask? I'm going to tell you, it's the best way for us authors to make a living selling our books. Are you tired of hearing gurus tell you your book is only good enough to be a lead magnet for services? Are you tired of feeling like you have to be a slave to social media and then frustrated when the time you spend doesn't actually help you sell books? I was too, until I found Ammo. Ammo is the only program that reliably produces results and it works for anyone. Is it hard work? You bet. Do you have to overcome some of your own prejudices to make Ammo work for you? Absolutely. But rather than being another program that rah-rah shish-goom-bahs tries to get you emotionally excited only to offer unclear methods, Ammo shows you how to design profitable ads step-by-step through a unique, highly tested and targeted formula. The founder, Steve Piper, is a data-loving, formula-driven author who escaped the kingdom of Amazon to build a platform for himself, where he sold directly to his readers and built a loyal following and millions of copies sold. With Ammo, you know who's reading your books, how to contact them, and what they want to read next. 
if you've always been frustrated with Amazon's wall of mystery of not knowing who's reading your books and losing 50 to 70% of your hard-earned money that you're making through sales. Ammo solves all of those problems by putting you in the driver's seat and showing you how to fulfill your books directly to your readership. Click the link in the show notes to learn more. I, I really respect people who actually take the time to actually, you know, like where you have a great microphone, where you have, you know, like uh, yeah. where you're, you know, it's, it's, it's a, you're, you're professional about it. Well, I hope so. Um, it is funny. I, as, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, one, I do actually, unfortunately, have too much uh, outside noise going on. Like, you may hear my dog bark at some point uh-huh. during this. Absolutely, and that's, yes. Uh, just a fact of life. Also, I spend an absurd amount of time trying to get rid of breathy noises. <laughs> yes. And I think I think that's just a little bit of inside baseball for, for anybody thinking about using a podcast to market their book is mm-hmm. the little things that you can dive into to improve the audio quality can get so overwhelming that you spend more time making uh, an hour sound good than an hour deserves. There's this like real sweet spot. And I bet your husband probably has a whole playbook about talking about that. Oh, yes, yes. And <laughs> that it's funny because Something that I often talk authors out of doing is starting a podcast before they have been on at least 20 podcasts. Beautiful. Because I've talked to so many authors who you know say, I've been blogging for years, or I've been on YouTube for years. I'm thinking about starting a podcast. I'm like, all right, yeah, that's fantastic. But the amount of work that goes into making a great podcast is very different than what it is, you know, to write a blog or yeah. to, you know, sit in front of a camera. Yep. And the camera is a whole other different issue. But <laughs> yeah. I think it's also once you get a microphone in your face, something chemically goes off in your brain where it's like you don't know how to talk sometimes, especially if you don't yep. aren't used to it. Right. And so it's something that takes practice. So being a guest on a podcast, at least 20 times to get that role going, to get used to that and to kind of get your feet wet before you even jump into starting your own podcast is something that I always recommend before you buy the microphone, before you you invest in all this, because it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. I think that's a brilliant piece of advice. And I'd like to stay there for just a second, because yeah. the the next obvious question that listeners are going to ask is, how in the world do I even find 20 podcasts to guest on? Mm-hmm. Um, is there a payoff to it? Like, if I guessed, am I going to sell 50 books after this, et cetera, et cetera. So just talk a little bit about that process, because I think there are definitely some, some uh, misnomers uh, about that process. Absolutely. And so something that I always, a starting point for authors to find podcasts to be on is to tap into your good old Google and find, you know, like two or three authors that are kind of in the same genre, the same vein as you are, who are a little more well-known. They don't have to be exactly like you, but they have to be in the same vein. And you just go into Google and do Jen DePaula podcast interviews 2023. And you'll see a big list of them. Mm -hmm. And so it's looking at these podcasts and saying, okay, if they were on this podcast, they are probably interested in my genre as well. Mm -hmm. And so then you take that information and then you listen to that podcast and you say, how can I make my pitch different? Because they're not going to have the same topic over and over again. And so thinking about how can, and this again, this is really like that, that cornerstone of marketing altogether is like, what is it that makes 
me and my book different, giving readers a why. And you also have mm. to give podcast producers or yeah. producers or, you know, like editors that why. And mm. so you can look that up and then you can really start to develop your own database of, of podcasters that you can reach out to, but it's giving them that why, and it's learning how to pitch in a way yeah. that is not obnoxious. It's not only self-serving. Yeah. <clears throat> it's not only self-serving because we, when, when people pitch a podcaster, just kind of talking about how amazing they are, it's not really serving that podcaster to go, okay, why is this going to serve my audience? Because that's your main concern yeah. as a podcaster. Yeah. And so it's really about, you know, like you can approach this in a way that you don't have to hire a booker or a, you know, a publicist to get you on po podcasts. You can yeah. do that research on your own, but really what I think is the bigger thing is figuring out your why. What is yeah. it that makes you stand out? What is it that makes your book, your story, yeah. what it is that you're selling stand out? There's an extreme amount of work that goes into this too. And that's the funny mm -hmm. thing is that to get on 20 shows that even matter to what you're doing uh, is its own level of extreme work. Uh, I was on some podcasts early on as a guest just to kind of get the feel of it and to make myself feel better about what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And I realized, I think, after the fact that they didn't necessarily serve the goal and the mission. And I think that especially when I think about authors and artists, uh, terms like serve the goal or further the purpose or mm -hmm. mission are all a little bit not palatable. And mm -hmm. so depending on how you come into this world, if you have to do all of the promotion yourself, you have to get comfortable with these terms that maybe don't suit your private ethos as well as you yes. want them to. Talk to me a little bit about that for you, for your husband. Uh, you've built a really successful marketing business for people who aren't watching. Uh, you're you're uh, surrounded by books. So I yes. think that your love of books came from a love of books. And I, I'd love to hear like the tension there for you a little bit. Absolutely. Well, it's interesting because I got my start in the music industry. I was yeah. a, I call myself a recovering publicist. And I, you know, like when you're surrounded by musicians and creative people, um, that's one thing, you know, like that, it, the, the creativity, you know, like getting into that mindset is very, you know, like, and when we think about musicians or uh, photographers or authors, mm -hmm. it's all really the same, like, even though it's different, it's a different medium, they have kind of that same heart and that same um, passion for creating something and sharing, yeah. you know, like and sharing it with the world. And what's interesting about authors is that, you know, like with um with musicians, they there's something that's in them that knows, okay, once I create this album or I create this music, I have to go out and perform it. Yeah. I have to get it out there into the world. With our sweet authors, they just want to sit in their closets and yeah. type away. And just like they, it's a very isolating and a very, um, it's a very, you know, like it, I know many authors feel lonely in it. Yeah. And so within what we've created, because I do, I've always been a huge reader. It was actually like, I dreamed of working with authors. And so when, mm my when my career kind of um evolved from mainly working with musicians to full-time with authors 
it was this real just learning to how to best communicate and connect with authors mm. in a way that was it's different than musicians. Yeah. And <clears throat> and so it was, you know, like through like I've been working exclusively with authors for 14 years. I've been in marketing mm-hmm. for 23. And so it's something that it has definitely taken time to, you know, find like especially at the beginning, you know, like to find that groove, but also at the beginning of my career, that's really when social media was just starting. Mm-hmm. And it was really, you know, figuring out how to best fit into that, uh, to, you know, kind of wiggle into that little sliver of space to how, mm-hmm. how can you make it work? And so with what we do and with the experience that we've had and with just the connections that we've had, it's learning how to best serve authors yeah. in a way that makes them not only successful because obviously everyone wants to sell more books and to mm-hmm. you know build an audience but to also make them feel happy about it and yeah. to feel good about it mm. whenever i hear authors say i absolutely hate marketing i totally yeah. get it because we have sure. this it's like a four letter word <laughs> and yeah, it's something yeah. that you know every author dreads and so when i can kind of communicate to them and say if you've ever had a conversation in your life if you've mm-hmm. ever had you know connected with another human being that's what marketing is it's about making people aware yeah the right people aware that are interested in your book yeah. that you and your book exist yeah you don't have to you don't have to sell it to the entire world what you're just doing is focusing in on this group of people and so yeah. that's been something that we you know like just the 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 setting that foundation and providing that foundation for authors has been what we really uh strive for yeah it's like a a giant uh beef roast that you just threw out there so like (laughs) there's so many different no it's it's cool we gotta we gotta approach so many different angles of what you said because i think there's early on the question i didn't ask but wanted to was uh what do you mean when you say good or feel good because mm-hmm. I don't know if I've ever felt good about marketing or making a podcast about marketing, but I also understand that it is required of me if I want to get where I have always dreamed I would get. So this, mm-hmm. this podcast actually started out being called the reluctant book marketer. Yes. TRPM. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't love doing this. I do it because it is a, a necessary thing. And I find that in marketing, I change for the better. Almost always. Sometimes I trick myself into being, I don't want to say deceptive because I think that that probably has too many edges for too many people, but sometimes I am deceiving myself and I'm desperate for recognition. And so I think I try to fit myself into a mold that isn't necessarily advantageous for me or for the people that I want to work with. Um, I guess actually a really serviceable example of that is I've been watching your videos on TikTok for a good long time and I always thought it would be cool to connect, but I really don't have any way to necessarily do that that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then out of nowhere, Michelle Rado sends me an email and she's like, I get Jen DePaula's emails all the time and I always think of you when I read them. And I was like, cool, that's such a ah. low impact way to uh-huh. make a connection because we both know a person. We're clearly doing something similar. The universe served it up to me. So I took that. Mm-hmm. but. I I do think there are times I've reached out to guests that I really admire like you and I think tried to force it. So I'd love Mm. to hear some of your thoughts before we move on to 
the the rest of the beef roast <laughs> about <laughs> about that idea of like when's the appropriate time to reach out to the other person and we'll connect that to that 20 podcast list is I'm not going to I don't know why I'm thinking of Joe Rogan right now, but I'm not even going to pitch myself to Joe Rogan because he's mm-hmm. not in my universe quite yet. Yeah. Um, and it would only cause frustration and probably me being a jerk. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, when we talk about, you know, when you said feeling good about marketing, I think yeah. the biggest that that, that step there is understanding the process. And when I talk with authors, they just feel inundated. It's just Mm, like, let's just throw a bunch of crap at the wall to see what sticks. And that is not, that's, that's not going to make you feel good. That's not going to make you enjoy the process. It's not, it's going to make you waste time, money, energy, all of that stuff. And so when I talk about even feeling good about it, I think the first step is understanding the process. And Mm. there are just like, essentially, like I talk about five steps that you have to take, you know, you have to know who your audience is, you have to lead them with your content, you have to get them on your newsletter and it's sell. That's like yeah. the basic funnel. Um, but so like, even just, uh, I had a, an author message me, she bought one of our, um, it's called the book marketing starter kit. And she was like, I finally get it. You know, it's mm. like, once you finally understand, oh, this is how I do it. You feel good about it because it's like, okay, I feel good that I know that I'm not going to be just flailing, trying to figure things out. You know, it's not going to be this big stress ball. That is, you know, like you might not necessarily enjoy, you know, being on TikTok or you might not necessarily Mm -hmm. enjoy, but if you know that it's getting in front of the right people, and if you Mm -hmm. know that you have that connection there, I was very reluctant to go on TikTok. I did not want to be it at first, but then I found this amazing community and it's Mm -hmm. just kind of like, they just kind of, you know, just kind of came right in. And it's, it's something that I think once, once authors, especially know, especially people who did not, they are reluctant book marketers as well. Once they kind of understand, okay, this is how I can do it. I don't have to do all the things that everyone is throwing my -hmm. way. I just have to do the things that I feel my ideal reader would respond to, or that I have the bandwidth to handle right at the moment. So that's what we mean by, you know, like kind of feeling good about it. Yeah. So it's not Um, necessarily an emotional happiness. That's not, when you say feel good, it doesn't mean I'm an emotionally happy place to be doing this, but that, uh, and, and it's not even comfort. It's, uh, knowledge. When you say feel good in this case, you mean knowledge. I know what I'm expecting and I know a sense of how to get where I'm going. Those exactly. two things. Okay. Yes. It's, it's more of, I use, I don't know if you've seen my TikTok of like fr- the audio clip from Sh- uh, Schitt's Creek where David is, uh, he's stirring, you know, and she says uh, next step is the fold in the cheese. And yeah. he was like, what does that mean? I, that is, I think the perfect visual for like most authors going into publishing, publish, you know, people in yeah. the publishing world say market your book. They're like, yeah, what? Well, what does that mean? Right, like, exactly. And they just keep saying, yeah. you have to market it. You have to let people know about it. It's like, well, what does that mean? You know, you yeah. keep saying the same thing over and over again. Right. And I mean, I've consulted with huge publishing houses. I've worked with, you know, like mm. uh, independent, you know, like small presses and, you know, like very, uh, you know, just self-published authors that mm. are just starting out. And it's incredible 
how, you know, like we, like, and this is again, the whole idea of perspective of putting yourself in uh, like the author's shoes or the reader's shoes is that we speak to authors, you know, like as people in publishing, expecting them to know what to do. And like, when we say, oh, do your market research, they're like, what the hell is that? that You know, like what, yeah. yeah, What what does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, they're, we're speaking to them a language that they don't understand. Mm -hmm. And I want to break that. Like I always use the, the visual of I'm at a level 10 and this is for any author. They're at a level 10 within what they are talking about. Their reader is at a one. Many times the content that we share only hits at a six. Mm. They aren't going to be able to understand. It's still too much of a stretch for them, yeah. for the for the reader. And so our job is to communicate more. And that's through a blog post. That's through social media. That's through, you know, like whatever it is that we're putting out there. Yeah. It's to communicate at like a two or a three. It's still just a tiny bit of a stretch for them, but it's more applicable and it's more yeah. within reach. And so we don't have to get, when we talk about sharing content, for example, Mm -hmm. sharing a post on social media, it doesn't mean that you have to, you know, give away the plot or you have to give away all the answers that your book provides. You're just providing a little bit of information in order to get them on board to educate them. And so that's, I think we overcomplicate things Mm. a lot, you know, a lot of time. You know what I, what I love about what you're saying and what came to mind to me as you were talking was that um, I started out, I wrote a book. Uh, it's a very slender book and it's all true and it's all applicable. It's called The Seven Figure Marketing Mindset for Novelists. So mm-hmm. I did all of the right things in terms of I know how to speak to novelists. I have uh, made a million dollars on my writing and mm-hmm. uh, so I can speak to those things. What I can't actually speak to is how to get there as much because I'm in process. I don't know how to explain it exactly the way that I want to say this, but there is a sense that when we are making something for the listener, for the viewer, for the person, figuring out where do I actually have expertise because there are things that I have done that I'm not an expert at. They just sort mm-hmm. of happened to me along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's a big piece of of what you're saying. So I wanted to hear your thought process too. Um you had your whole uh, life in music and being a publicist and you transitioned that over into uh, being a marketing expert for writers. Mm -hmm. I think that that is as similar as I can think of to being, okay, I'm a writer and now I need to market my expertise to readers. There's a really big challenge because you're, you're completely switching professions and you might not realize it. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that, there is a big difference between because I've had I've I've had many authors who are kind of reluctant authors like that that you yeah. know like okay I've I've experienced this um, change in my life or I've uh, you know accomplished this you know X Y and Z I want to help other people do that and sometimes it's not as easy to fit in a box where mm-hmm. you know like this is what I did to accomplish my goals. This is, you know, like Mm -hmm. you can use it as inspiration or maybe as like a starting point, but sometimes, you know, like other people's experiences happen outside of the box. And it's something that I think like from transitioning from, um, uh, from music to authors, what was interesting is that 
when I was at like um, one of the record labels, what I worked at two different record labels, mm-hmm. we had multiple projects where they were music and book projects together, where a book kind of accompanied the um, the musical, you know, like mm-hmm. aspect of it. it was a collaboration. Yeah, where there are many things about that, and there were similarities. And what I always kind of go back to is like when everything started to change within the music industry where um where things went digital it was like mm-hmm. overnight everything changed yeah and i specifically remember you know like talking to the president of the of one of the labels that i worked at and he said you know like we should have been the ones to have in a, like invent like or come up with the digital platform like yeah. there was napster back in the you know late 90s right, right. and you know like there was the iPad or the um the iPod mm-hmm. and you know like Apple Music and all this stuff and so the music industry was chasing after you know like trying to figure out how do we how do we make money off of this people aren't going to pay 20 bucks for a CD anymore mm-hmm. and the same thing you know like and i remember very early on thinking this isn't just pertaining to music this is going to happen to publishing this is going to happen to movies and to tv yeah. and so everyone should learn from the music industry's multitude right. of mistakes calling all self-published authors if you live in the united states and you've always wanted to see your books in bookstores this may be the most important ad you'll hear in 2023 Listen carefully. No matter where you are in your publishing journey, it's not too early to position yourself to pursue brick-and-mortar bookstore distribution. But if you're a self-published author, you've probably heard, getting your books in stores is next to impossible. That's no longer the case. For just $5, you'll receive a lifetime membership to the Self-Published Author Co-op. When you join, you'll have access to a members-only community with a detailed roadmap on how to get your books ready for bookstore distribution. Joining our community does not guarantee bookstore distribution, as there's a limited availability each month to be a featured author. And that's why the cost of a lifetime membership is less than a cup of coffee. Whether you're just about to publish your first book, or you're selling thousands of copies a month, if you don't have your books in bookstores, the Self-Published Author Co-op is the easiest, most efficient way to get national distribution of your books. Click the link in the show notes to join now. So even though, you know, books and, you know, music are different, they are still in the same vein because, mm-hmm. okay, then yeah. books turn digital books, you know, like, yeah. we, you know, like all of this different thing, movies are streaming, you know, like everything is just evolving. And so yeah. even though, yes, moving from music to books, it was a very, it was a gradual change, but it was something where I had where I what I was doing with when I started my company um, back in 2005. I was doing digital. It, it was mainly digital marketing. It was you know doing PR, but also um, more online blogs were just really starting to you know make a big impact. And traditional media was going away, so mm. it was like trying to stay ahead of the curve. And then yeah. social media comes in. And so I had several friends that were authors and they, you know, saw the success that I had with musicians and they said, can you help me the way that you're helping musicians? And so Mm -hmm. I said, 
sure. And I figured it out as I went. You know, yeah, it was just absolutely. kind of like you kind of have to, you know, like especially when there's this chasm of change, you have to experiment and you have to um be willing to try some things that are different. And back then, yeah, you know, that was absolutely. social media and that was, you know, like being more online. And so within that change, it was really um even though it was different, it was still this, you know, like I tried to lean into those similarities, but also learn from the mm. differences yeah. and make mistakes and grow with it. And it's, you know, like I continue to learn. Everyone continues Absolutely. to learn and, yeah. and grow from there. You know, I remember uh, I had a, a professor, uh, I think he was an adjunct. I don't know what you're supposed to call adjuncts, a teacher in college. <laughs> uh, and I was I was at uh, community college. I was a really late bloomer. So I decided I didn't want to go to college for a long time. Got well into my 20s before I thought like, maybe it would be useful to take some classes. And it was my grandmother who said, uh, you know, they have writing degrees. And I was like, oh, that's cool. So um, I went initially to get a nursing degree, um, thinking like that'll free up as much possible hours as I can to to write when I can. And then maybe later I can get a, a writing degree. But I had a comp one teacher named Frank Shemerdla. Uh, shout out to you, Frank, if you ever run across <laughs> this podcast. Uh, but he he said to me during one of our, our meetings uh, in the semester that he got into grant writing, which was the most lucrative thing that he did. He didn't make mm -hmm. much money as a professor, but he enjoyed doing it. But he made a lot of money grant writing. And he said, I got into it because I saw something online that, that said they were looking for grant writers. And I didn't know what I was getting into. I'd never done it before, but mm -hmm. I sent in my application and they wanted to talk with me. And he's like, I literally lied my way into the job. He said, yes, <laughs> of course I can do this. No problem. Mm. Uh, and and like, I think that there's something amazing that happens when we just say yes to an opportunity like that. And you were, you were talking a lot about that. You were just saying, uh, you know, I, I understood what music was. I, I saw the similarities and then I learned on the fly to, mm -hmm. to make that transition. So um, we're going to move past here, but I wanted to hear a little bit more about your thoughts on, on knowing your value, maybe before you've seen that established in real life. Ooh, you don't ask light questions, do you? <laughs> Well, I think, you know, like early on, I specifically remember the dreaded performance reviews. Like if you've ever worked in corporate world, you know, you get these performance reviews. And I always remember, like I always got reviews saying, you always look outside of the box. You were always, you know, like you're thinking um, differently. And I'm not afraid. And this, this has hurt me a couple of times. I'm not afraid to speak yeah. up. Like when... I don't agree with something or when I don't see that it is in the best interest of the client or author, mm -hmm. whoever we are, we're working with. And that is something I, I am horrible at taking compliments, but what I specifically remember hearing that and thinking, okay, I guess I do think outside of the box. I do, mm -hmm. you know, I can think differently. And it's not that I'm coming up with anything that hasn't been done before, or, you know, it's just like, okay, how can we put a different perspective on this? How can we approach this differently? And so mm. I think that, you know, like, and just not, I don't tend to worry about, okay, what if this doesn't work? Because mm. you're always yeah. going to learn something from that. And so right. it's like, okay, if we feel that this is the the wisest decision for us to make, then go into it. 
But if you yeah. screw it up or if you, it's not the end of the world. Like I, my, I, my husband and I always say, no one's on the, on the operating table with what we're doing. No lives well, are, you know, like it, no lives true. are going to be lost, you know? So it's like, yeah. we can take these risks and, and try yep. new things. Absolutely. Um, so there's a couple of things here. One is I do want to go back to the whole big beef roast that you put out before. You have episode 54 of your podcast is on book reviews. And we've talked a little bit about book marketing. Um, there are different modes of book marketing. So there's the version of book marketing, which is uh, just getting people interested in and being aware of, which leads to sales. Uh, there's advertising, which is book marketing with money behind it. And then there's the book review thing, which is book marketing that gives your book its own marketing. I'm doing a bad job of explaining it. Although I think that last one was the closest to correct is that if you can get people to review your book, they are marketing it for you. Yeah. It's, it's social how proof. Yeah. 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 Social proof. Exactly. Social proof. Yeah. So how do you get, how do you get that social proof? How do you get people to market your book for you? Um, it, it's it, not, dissimilar to affiliate marketing uh, marketing in a way. And so I'm curious about your thoughts in that area. I know that's kind of a left turn from what you were just saying, but uh, it, I think it'll all fit in when, when we, when we get there. Yeah. No, I think reviews. So there are two different fields of reviews. You know, there are the, the professional, uh, you know, like yep. getting in publishers weekly, all of that right. reviews, but then there's also the Amazon or, yes. you know, those those reviews. And when we talk about like the Amazon reviews, this is I it, it can feel like pulling teeth at times mm -hmm. because you know getting people to actually go and leave a review. I think that <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah. I think that when we approach something like an Amazon review or a Goodreads review or, you know, Barnes and Noble, wherever it is, many readers think that they have to leave like this magnum opus of, you know, yeah. details. And when that isn't necessarily the case. So I think that there's a, a, a part of the, um, like, especially when you're just starting to get or trying to get your readers to leave reviews, mm -hmm. it's educating them saying, just leave your honest thoughts. You know, it doesn't need to be long. It doesn't need to be, you know, detailed. It can just yeah. be general thoughts. Good book. Exactly. That exactly. Yes. That's, that's a great, that's a great <laughs> review. And I think like, especially um, with some of the hangups that we're not hangups, they're more roadblocks that mm. are coming into play, like, especially on Amazon, where mm. they're only, you know, like, I've had some authors that have uh, not that I have worked with, but who have left messages saying that they did like this whole pre-order campaign and mm -hmm. they had, you know, like a bunch of readers that went to leave reviews and they were just given an advanced copy of the review of the mm -hmm. book and that yep. Amazon took those reviews down because oh, wow. okay. they weren't verified and they're really cracking oh. down on these things. And wow. so am it's, it's been kind of like, especially within the past year or two, it's gotten harder and harder, specifically on Amazon mm -hmm. reviews. Yes. But when we talk about like Goodreads or um, their new, you know, like uh, Fable, uh, mm -hmm. I think it's one, Likewise is what it's called. Or yeah, like, I think like, I've heard of that. Like something, I can't remember, but yeah. um, <clears throat> it's different ways that people can leave reviews where if we are, it's something that has to be consistently asked of. 
like yeah. especially for those those reviews, tapping into um, your social media or to your newsletter or to these connections that you have with readers saying, mm-hmm. you know, like if you've read the book, you know, I would really appreciate a review or even highlighting some of the reviews or featuring some of the reviews yeah. um, is a great way to kind of motivate readers. But when we can really just stay at it and, you know, yeah. really uh, be persistent but in a way that is, you know, genuine and just asking, you know, like saying reviews really help. Mm. You know, like if you love yeah. the book, it really helps, you know, let more people know about the book if you review it. And so yeah. it is something that can be difficult, but it's not impossible. Yeah, it is really difficult. <laughs> so I'll see authors that I work with who have uh, tens of thousands of Amazon reviews. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes I know from talking with them that they don't necessarily have a ton more actual sales than they do number of reviews. I was wondering, mm-hmm. how do you become the author who gets 90% review rate? Like, what are you doing? What levers are you pulling to to get that kind of, I don't want to say compliance. I, I am going back to my corporate world when I yes. say that, but how, how do you, how do you get that, that level of excitement around your book? Uh, obviously it starts with writing a good book, but what are the other things, um, you can't incentivize with gifts because Amazon could punish you for that. Mm-hmm. You can't incentivize with uh, <laughs> monetary rewards, which mm-hmm. I guess is a kind of a gift. So what is it that you do? What what gets the reader to say, oh, I get it? So there, there's an author that uh, that recently released a book who had like, I think it was over 9,000 pre-orders of the book. And she was automatically on the New York times bestseller, you know, all of these things because Mm -hmm. she very early on, this was like six or seven months before the book came out, got the, got readers very excited about the story. And this is specifically, this is a a fiction. uh, She's a a YA fantasy type book. Mm -hmm. And she got readers just hooked with bated breath. Like she, and the thing is that she didn't give a lot away about the book. She just had these touchstones Mm. of like, this is what the book is about. And she visually represented it on social media. She, um, she really got readers very excited and this takes time. Like this is something that you can't just, you know, like a month before your book comes out, get 9,000 people that are, you know, going to be really excited. This takes advanced planning. And this is, Mm -hmm. I always tell authors, you have to start like talking about your writing or, you know, about the topics of your book. If you know that, okay, this is what I'm going to be writing about. If you know that for sure that's going to be completed, talking about it as early as possible because it takes time. And again, you know, when we're talking about marketing a book, we're not just competing against other books. We're competing against TV, movies, YouTube, TikTok, you know, what is it that is going to make a reader want to sit down with their very limited time to read? Mm -hmm. Because that's really what it's proved. It's showing readers why your book is worth their time. Yeah. And so that like with what she did and with what many authors I've seen a lot of success with is that they have used that time before the book releases Mm. where it's, you know, like several months to really get readers excited because once you get them excited and they're on board and they, you know, they order the book, they love it. Mm -hmm. 
and you know you can you have their attention so you can prompt them to get reviews you know that yeah. that's really you know, like if if a new author was was trying to figure out how to do that that's what i would advise yeah. them to do to get started Okay, so it's a three-part final question before we start to wrap up because I've uh, driven us pretty close to the amount of time that I was <laughs> allotted. Um, so what I want to know is if today you had an author and you were going to tell them which path to really put their most energy into uh, ebooks, audiobooks, or paperbacks, which format do you see as being the one that has the most return on uh, time? ROT. Oh, Rot. yes. 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 Which one's best? Well, so it really depends on the genre. Like sure. if if you are writing a romance novel, ebooks all the way. They eat okay. them up like <laughs> butter. It. Like it is just yeah. like they devour them. And that's also yeah. the same with um uh young adult fiction, fantasy, okay. with even with business books. I know ebooks that do is really well. ebooks do very, yeah. very well. Um, if you're like me and you like to have your yeah. your kills on display, you know, like that that's what mm -hmm, I yes. you know, like. I have it on my ebook, but I also buy the paperback. Yeah. Um, but I do think that for if you're looking just to get started, mm. ebooks are the best um, okay. way to initially get started. Then you know, like adding paperback once you kind of mm -hmm. get that rolling. Audiobooks are a different are a different beast. Yes, they, they are, are very, very popular, but the, it's also a big investment. Um, so yeah. it, it's something that like, if you, if your um, publisher is, you know, providing that, you know, like, then it's it, better. Like, yeah. Then or, it's better, but you don't really think about it necessarily at that point. Yeah, exactly. And so then, um, but if, if you're a, a self-published author, that is definitely something that um, I would do as like the third ring of, yeah you know, additions, yeah. if you will. So, and and again, I'll be really cautious of your time because we're bumping up on it. One thing that I have thought a lot about, and this is me, I'm only speaking for myself right now. My choice to do my audiobooks was a huge investment. Uh, I spend $4,000 per book and that's a rough estimate. If, if it gets longer, it's obviously more because they do finished hours. So mm -hmm. I have a, a, a certain number uh, of dollars per finished hour and most of my books do end up being pretty similar in length. That's partly cognizant of the process, but it's also partly just that's where I'm comfortable writing at this moment. Mm -hmm. Um what I love about audiobooks is if you are a self-published author and you go and get an audiobook and you spend the time and energy to get a narrator who really encompasses what you're doing, then it becomes such a performative element uh, that it is 100% your baby, yet it feels a little bit like a movie and you get that podcast kind of thing where you're like, hey, you're already listening to a podcast. You're listening mm -hmm. to me. Go ahead and grab the audiobooks. So I tend to do really well there. But it is so tough to spend $4,000 for a product and then be like, okay, I got to earn all that back before I'm even making money on it. And hopefully I can do it faster than the credit card bill comes due. Mm -hmm. um, so all of this to say, it is my, again, my personal advice is to figure out like a, uh, if you can't afford it out of your bank account, figure out how to put some pressure on yourself by getting the audiobook recorded by using a 12 month credit card that has no interest and then mm -hmm. set up a payment plan on it and see if you can hustle 
I know that word has some baggage now, but see if you can hustle yourself into breaking even on the credit card. Mm -hmm. uh, do it once, see what happens. Because audiobooks open up a world I didn't like even know existed. I knew they were popular, but the way that they're popular is crazy. What are your thoughts on that? If you want to lecture me on how wrong I am, that's okay too. <laughs> no, I I definitely think that that audiobooks are amazing and they do open you up to a whole other market, but audiobooks aren't a solution to a marketing problem. Amen. Well said. That is Very that is well something said. that I when I hear an author say, "Well, I feel like if I could just get my ebook or if uh, I could just get my audiobook out there, I could." Yes. And it's like, "No, if you can't market yes. your your ebook or your paperback, you're not going to be able to market a, a, an audiobook. So that well is said. where you really have to get well it first. The one caveat is that when there's money behind it, you suddenly become a little more creative. And that's one this thing I tell my audience is when, mm -hmm. when there's a bill due, you're kind of like, uh oh, I better figure this out. And I kind of like yes. that pressure. So I do sometimes like to just apply a little pressure, but you are absolutely right. And I think that's beautiful. So Mix This Media, uh, your podcast, your TikTok channel, let everybody know where they can find you, connect with you. And if they want to work with you, how to do that. Yes. Well, everything is linked at mixedusmedia.com and we have our Book Marketing Simplified podcast. And if they want to get things started, they can download my free uh, download called book, The Book Marketing Blueprint, and it will help everyone get started with their book marketing process and it connects them to my newsletter to stay in touch. So, yep. And we're at Mixedus Media all across the different social media channels. Awesome, Jen. It was so great to talk with you. I'm really glad that we too. got connected. Yes. Thank you for listening to TRBM. The theme music was provided by the ever-talented Christopher Talon. And hey, if you liked what you heard, share this show with other readers because what's the point of telling stories if nobody's listening? 